of the sacrifice I made for you. That is a waste of our friendship. Well, you know what? If that's how you really feel, maybe we don't have much of a friendship to begin with. Because every week it's the same thing. RKO, Pedigree, Spear. You're never there when I need your help. You're never there to have my back week after week after week. You know what, Owens? I know who's at fault for us losing at Survivor Series last oh, yeah. night. So do I. Yeah, I do too. I know, I know exactly what it was. Why don't you say who oh, it you is? want me to say it? Say it. You want me to say who's yeah, fault on, it was? You know, I'm letting you to say it. I'm disgusted by this. I'm finished with this conversation, and Kevin Owens, I'm finished with you. No, no, no. I'll tell you whose fault it is. Roman Reigns! Gentlemen, hello and welcome to episode two of Real Grap Show. It's the offshoot wrestling podcast on the Real Good Network, I guess. Is this a, I guess, I guess if I'm taking a page from WWE, then it, technically it has to be on the network. <laughs> uh, but uh, joined for this second episode by a very special guest, a gentleman who I've been looking forward to talking to on this show about pro wrestling for a very long time. And I guess we may as well introduce you now, Pat, because I got nobody else to talk to for the for the next hour <laughs> or so. Pat Monahan <laughs> at Patty Mo uh, joins us on the show this week, and uh, thank you so much for doing it. Oh, I'm I'm pumped. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going pretty good. We are, of course, uh, recording this immediately after uh, the SmackDown pay-per-view TLC just concluded. And did you watch any of the show, Pat? I know you've been reeling from a pretty boozy brunch today. Yeah, I uh, I caught up sort of after the fact, um, and uh, I, I cherry-picked some stuff to watch. Um, it's kind of crazy how much better run storyline-wise SmackDown is than uh, than Raw is. I'm not you know not that. Not that this is a controversial opinion, obviously. This seems to be the consensus among most people. Um, it seems like things are actually done for a reason on that show, as opposed to Raw, which just seems to kind of be uh, forwarding the the typical uh, WWE line. So uh, i got to say, it sounds like it was... I wish I'd watched it. I wish I hadn't been, uh, you know, uh, six beers deep and falling asleep for the past, uh, you know, six hours but when you do that works too though you need a day like that every so often um and before we dive into what's going on currently in wwe uh you are a, a big wrestling fan uh, you are somebody uh who, who tweets openly about it it's not one of those things personally i don't know i i find that like uh Publicly talking about wrestling on my Twitter is something that I can only dabble into like every now and again. Uh, but uh, it's good to see that there are people out there with the confidence in the in their own <laughs> hobbies to, to talk about it publicly, <laughs> I guess. And uh, you know, you're you're a guy who certainly enjoys the product. You've come on to talk about it here with me. Uh, when did you first get into uh, wrestling? Do you have like any memories of it when you were a kid, or was it something that grabbed you as a teenager? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I definitely. It's 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 kind of funny because, um, 
even when I was a kid, like before, before like I knew that it was staged, you know, that everything was a work. I I, I remember thinking that it was dumb. I I don't have a whole lot of memories. Um, when I you know I'm I'm in my uh, early 30s now, so uh, you know when I was a kid, it was like Hogan and Warrior and all that stuff. Um, like it was on I think it was on Saturday mornings was the big show. I don't remember exactly, but um. I distinctly remember at least once when I was probably, you know, eight or ten or something like that. Um, uh, maybe even younger than that. I don't know. But, but anyway, uh, The Undertaker uh, nailing uh, Ultimate Warrior inside a coffin. They had a camera inside the coffin for some reason. Like, he was burying him alive. Yeah. And I remember even when I was, like, a little kid, I was like, this is stupid. Why would they have a camera? And, like, this is, you know, like, this is not allowed. There's a crime being committed here. Uh, uh, why... So, you know, it's fun. Like, when I was a kid, I was not really super into it. For whatever reason, it just didn't really have my... Maybe I just didn't, you know, I wasn't aware of it. It didn't really... It wasn't like something that I, I thought to watch. Um, I didn't get into it until I was, I want to say, maybe freshman or sophomore in high school. Um, and it was right after sort of the Attitude Era proper started. Um, it was definitely, uh, you know... McMahon was officially like the villain, you know, week to week. It was, it was definitely in those days. It was after sort of that transition happened. And, uh, that, yeah, so that was pretty much it. So, so I, I knew it wasn't real. I knew it was, you know, um, but it was basically, you know, like they say, it's like a soap opera for boys, or at least, the, you know, back then it was definitely much more than now because it has a much wider sort of reach than it did then. Um, but that was sort of when I, and I found some like minded people who, um, unsurprisingly, we're sort of not uh, very sports oriented. That were uh, fellow fans, and uh, you know, we used to uh, go to shows every once in a while. We went, you know, I definitely went to a couple of Raws. Um, order the big, order the big pay per views school. or something uh, over at your buddy's <clears throat> house on a Sunday night every so often. Yeah, exactly. Same same kind of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, and I used to, you know, and I and I, and I even then I got into it. Uh, on these sort of, and I think this is like the real appeal of it for people. This is how I kind of explain it to people when they when they ask about it. Not that they ask that often, but um, the fact that like being a fan of wrestling generally means that you're a fan on sort of two levels. You're a fan of the show and like the performance, but then you're also like an obsessive uh, backstage rumor sort of person and like how things are being put together. So it's like watching a TV show. But also getting mad at the writers all the time. That's basically what being a wrestling fan is. Yeah. So even back then, I used to go to um, and and I think the site is called. I think it's still around. But I mean, this is back in the old days. Um, it's like Raja, uh, WWE or something. WWF it was back then. And he used to have all like the rumors and like the uh, live show reports and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I was definitely into that even back then. And that's kind of um, like the and that really hasn't changed, but. That's kind of like the point of interest, even as a fan, as an adult now, is like when those two levels of fandom kind of intersect. When you see something that's like a backstage beef or whatever, or at least a rumored beef between two guys, sort of play itself into storylines at the same time. We've seen that a lot, I would say, in the last like two or three months, uh, especially, as they've kind of clued in a little bit better on how to... Uh, how to activate that, I think, um, within their fan base. Yeah. Um, but, but like, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. It's funny, the timing, though, because it seems like uh, you were getting into it at a time when 
socially for me anyways, uh, that was kind of like my exit point would be those years in high school. But that <laughs> same time of like the, the Attitude Era, the Mr. McMahon character, Stone Cold rising to prominence and that sort of deal, it just became like uh, that. It was really, really hot for that time. And then as I got into high school personally, like those years for me would have been like social suicide to be like, oh, yeah, I'm a huge wrestling fan, even though I still was and watched it with like two of my buddies for a few years there. That was kind of like the the jumping off point, I suppose. But uh, uh, the the timeline checks out. I think that's a pretty common one for most people in terms of just like uh, that being the uh, the thing that pulled them in in the first place. Yeah, I mean, and, and definitely it wasn't um, it wasn't like I would wear the shirt. I mean, first of all, I went to a Catholic high school, all boys, so I had to wear a tie every day anyway. So it wasn't like I was in a position to be wearing you know a uh, a Stone Cold shirt to school or anything like that. And and I, I think that. You know, obviously, if there were girls in the situation, I, I would have probably uh, even hit it even more. But it, it was a very sort of sectioned off part of my social life was the wrestling stuff versus like just generally, you know, whatever. So that's I think that's definitely true. And, and I think that, um, you know, I got to college, uh, at, you know, in, in 2001, I started and um a mix of both not paying for cable in the dorm and uh, and just sort of generally having other stuff going on, I sort of checked out. Um, you know, I had friends who had been into it, and we used to play the video games and stuff like that. But I really kind of and that and that seems to be sort of like there was like a down period around those those years. You know, five to to twenty ten or so. You know, where they had the other brand split, and it was like confusing, yeah. and there was all that stuff going on. That's my, uh, it doesn't it, it doesn't sound like I missed a whole lot. That's kind of my dark period also is like right after the invasion angle, I was super interested in that. And then they kind of just fumbled it so badly that even as like a grade nine kid, I was like, okay, fuck this. Like, I was willing to put up with like the social <laughs> awkwardness of being a wrestling fan in high school when it was good, but uh, I don't, I don't really know that I can put up with this for much longer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I, I, I sort of, I, I, I gave up or I didn't give up. I just kind of stopped. You know, I checked out for maybe let's say. Let's see, between like one and probably about twelve years or so, and then um, for whatever reason, I, I so I started doing stand up a few years ago, and a lot of comedians love wrestling, and yeah. I think there's something about like the like the performance aspect of it, and just sort of like the you know, um, there's like a respect for the for for the ability to kind of like control a crowd the way that a lot of these guys do, um, both on the microphone and not. Um, and I think that a lot of, um, at least male comedians especially are, uh, in just permanent arrested development where they just have no, you know, it's like the second they get the chance to act like a, like a 12 year old, they're going to do that. So, um, I sort of checked back, I sort of checked back in for that reason. And, uh, it's fun, you know, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, I, like I said, I, I love the backstage stuff and, and, and something that I realized and that I hadn't really put together when I was younger, that, and that's the thing that I always think about, um, is, is that it's basically like the fanciest possible incarnation of carnies, right? Like, cause it used to be in the old days, like before the TV, you know, contracts and when it was back in the territories, there were like these roving little circus type shows where it's watch the strong man, beat the handsome man or what, you know, what you know, basically, and they were constantly barking at you to sell the next show, which would be back in three months or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, now it's now it's just a really glossy, you know, billion dollar version of that, because 
you know, you see them, they're always selling the network, even when you're already watching the network. They never stop. It's just constantly going. Well, I think they rightly you know, assume any, any that promo. a lot of people are streaming it illegally, because I certainly was for a long time. Paying for it now, of course. <laughs> Thank you, Patreon owners. But uh, for, there you go. for a little while there, not there so you much. Go. <laughs> and, and, and I think that, you know, you watch somebody like a, uh, like a Paul Heyman, and, and he's done interviews and stuff where he's basically, this is like the... He realizes that his job is, you know, you sell the event, right? That's what, you're basically a carnival barker when you're a guy who's on, who's on the stick, who's like delivering a promo at like a go home show or whatever. Like that's your job is to get people to watch the thing, or it would be to get people to come to the next thing if it was, you know, pre TV. And that to me is just endlessly fascinating. Where it's this family who is obviously a very fancy and rich family now. But like they're all in, like, it's basically like a, a family of circus performers that has happened to, you know. Um, so they're all in the family business. Obviously, Linda, not so much anymore. Now she's going to be in the cabinet or God knows what. Because um, <laughs> we're all going down. But, um, you know, you had Shane was in the, in the main event at Survivor Series, you know, less than a month ago. And yeah. he's a, you know, man in his like mid 40s. And he's, you know, or he's taking those insane bumps at WrestleMania. It's, it's completely that to me is as almost as interesting as the stuff that goes on, you know, when you watch the thing. Um, oh, yeah, and the, the involvement you know, of that, the McMahon that's what family sort of kept my attention. constantly over the decades. It's kind of like a um, semi-reality show version of like the Beverly Hillbillies, basically. <laughs> like this family that's just <laughs> struck it rich, and it's like you know Vince is what he is basically, and, and he's never going to change, and the thing will stay the same right up until he dies, basically. Uh, but you know, it, and that's and I think that's. I mean, you mentioned Linda possibly being uh, you know aligned with uh, the Trump administration. Trump has obviously. Been been involved with WWE so much over the years and I feel like that's like what connects them is they just like feel like outsiders in the world of like classy rich people basically um and you know they 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 clearly have some sort of kinship because they've worked together so much but uh I don't want to get too political on this. I don't want to talk about, uh, you know, our, our WWE Hall of Famer U.S. President uh, elect very much here, if we can avoid it. <laughs> but just an interesting parallel that uh, suddenly occurred to me. Um, but I mean, yeah, well, that, that, that's kind of the yeah, reason man. why I I started this podcast in the first place, though, is because like, I uh, you know, the circles that I run in, both in comedy and like uh, radio broadcasting and, and journalism, like so many people who are uh, like it's not just comedians; it's guys who you know work in the TV industry, work in the radio industry. If there's like a performative element to whatever it is that you do, I feel like you are just naturally drawn to like pro wrestling as like the height, like some hyperbolized version uh, of of what you do for a living, basically. Because you know it's hard to not watch. Uh, someone like Seth Rollins, like heel up on a crowd when he was working heel, and not just be so envious of that man's ability to make tens of thousands of people furiously boo him at once. <laughs> it's it's incredible, you know. Um, and you, it's funny you were saying like you were talking about Trump, like, and I'm not going to go back to it to, in any detail, but like the thing about him is that. It's never been more clear to me, and I always kind of thought this, you know, because you can just draw parallels, and it's not, it's not like wrestling invented this stuff, but, but 
you know, like a crowd being worked is basically what went on for the past 18 months. Um, and, and that's what's always gone on in politics. But I mean, it's never been more clear to me that politics is wrestling and basically everything is wrestling than, you know, what's gone on over the past like month and a half. It's just completely crazy. Um, nothing is real. Everything is, a you know, and, and, and you know, there. Not that there's like heel turn coming or, or whatever, you know. I always thought in my like it, deep, deep in my heart of hearts, I was hoping that there would be a, you know, moment where Trump accepts the nomination, rips open his shirt, and he's wearing a Hillary shirt, you know, and then hits uh, <laughs> Mike Pence with a chair or something, you know, like because that was like the prevail there because there were all those theories, you know, and you know, put forward by serious political journalists. That he was somehow a plant by the Clintons to like get you know to destroy the Republican Party. Oh yeah, yeah all the links stuff. between them um, and him being at their wedding and whatnot, or rather the other way around. But you know, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, all those people it, who have been it, saying it, that it, it broke politics is Game of Thrones have just been looking at the wrong TV show. Basically, that's correct. There's <laughs> no, you know, it, it's it broke everyone's brain. Uh, we're all still recovering. We all basically had to hit the hard reset button on on reality, and and here we are. Um, there's still a few artifacts from the from the old days. People are still believing in all these insane conspiracies and all that stuff. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's wrestling. Everything's wrestling. It's all it's always wrestling. That's the easiest thing you can just fall back on if you're ever wondering why somebody's doing anything. Um, that seems to be the reason. So <laughs> we've always we've entered like a reality brand split as well. I feel like you've got a, a blue brand <laughs> social media feed and a red brand social media feed at this point too. But uh, enough <laughs> enough about politics. Uh, <laughs> I don't even remember what we were talking about. Uh, just yeah, I guess the the draw of of what brings performa performative people to this industry because it seems like. You know, a l like, I wouldn't be a fan again myself had I not, you know, gotten into broadcasting and worked with two guys who watched the pay-per-views every month and, you know, gave me something to do to, to get together with, uh, with buddies every so often, once a month at the time, and now, uh, good grief, twice a month, once every two weeks at this point in terms of if you want to watch the pay-per-views <laughs> now. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, I feel like when you get back into it as an adult – um, and I don't know when you were getting back in. You said 12 years, so probably around 2013. I'm guessing CM Punk is probably the guy that got you back in. Um, it wasn't necessarily a guy. I, I don't exactly remember what happened. I, I don't remember what made me flip the switch and start watching or whatever. I mean, I had um, it, it was it was definitely I guess probably like yeah, CM Punk like the pipe bomb was definitely something that I was like aware of, and I was like, well, that's kind of crazy that that happened because they never you know, betray what's going on backstage, you know, in, uh, when they're on the microphone or when they're in, you know, once, once they, once they walk out through gorilla position, they never talk about what goes on back there. Yeah. Um, that was definitely kind of, of interest, but, but I feel like I don't think I like started watching it then. I can't, I honestly can't remember what led me to it, but now I have like, I have friends who are, one of my buddies now, now, uh, wor uh, works there. He was working in partnerships with them, um, for brand stuff. And now he actually now works at the mothership. Uh, which is kind of neat, and I have another buddy who's got some friends of friends who work there, and the, you know, and so we were able to start getting tickets to go to the events and that kind of stuff. Um, so that's been fun because I think I probably must have gone to a live show and been like, "Oh, right, I love this." Um, before I sort of started tuning in on TV again. Yeah. Um, but I will say that now, now there's like too much content. I mean, you were talking about the two pay per views. Um, it's a lot to keep up with now. You, you know, know, it used to be, and, and I get, 
Go ahead. You almost have to pick a side. Like, uh, I, I'm a, I'm all in on SmackDown. I'm still interested in in like the Chris Jericho, Kevin Owens stuff on Raw. But like you 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 with a show every two weeks on the network, like you have to be either a SmackDown guy or a Raw guy. I can't imagine like just sitting down and watching every single minute of this when you are doing three live shows in three consecutive days, four if there's an NXT pay-per-view that weekend. Like, it's just too much. And now that there's, like, you know, the the Cruiserweight show on the network, that's, like, a five-hour show on Sunday, a three-hour show on Monday, and three hours plus Talking Smack on Tuesday. It's just, like... If you spread it out over the week, it would still probably be too much, and all in a row is just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I think I, it's an old habits thing, because Raw was obviously the A show, and then nothing really happened the matter on SmackDown, obviously until they until they did the split. Um, so I'm sort of just kind of stuck with, you know, I watch Raw. And it's funny because Raw's three hours now, and it still feels like, you know. Uh, they have all these people that are just not using. They're wait. They're still somehow wasting time. I don't understand how they <laughs> pace these things. But um, you know, it's very it's it's very odd to me that they don't they have people that like could be you know utilized. They're not being utilized at all. But you know, I'm I'm such a complete. I have like very simple taste. You know, uh, as a as a smark that I'm I'm a huge Owens mark. I'm a huge Sa- uh, Sasha Banks mark. I, I have no real. So that those are the people that I want to keep up with. I mean, AJ Styles is awesome, and and I think it's good that you know I'm kind of amazed, frankly, that within a year Vince realized that you know just because AJ Styles wasn't his idea as a as a performer, um, that he actually has talent and value. Um, that was obviously a very smart decision, but it also was just sort of it went against the prevailing narrative where they bury anybody who comes made their bones anywhere else. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, I, I, if I could devote five hours a week every week to watching both, I would. I, I will admit that I do a lot more reading about what happened than than about like actually watching it. You know. Yeah. Um, but you know, if I had to pick, I would say I'm, I'm raw just because that's you know, that's just what I've, I guess uh, that's has like the most people that I care about, and and it still to me feels like it's you know uh, the main show. Um, part, part, probably partially because it's three hours because they have that contract. Um, but I, I, I do recognize, and it seems pretty clear at this point that SmackDown is definitely the, and it's funny cause Vince is running them both. So I don't know why they're so different, but, um, SmackDown seems to be the, the, have its sort of he- clear plan I, and, and I, it seems to be a much more coherent thing. I think it's because they have a smaller roster to work with. Um, like you were saying, like so many of the people that you care about are on Raw, and it's the same for me, honestly, but because there's no clear sort of vision for anything other than maybe what Owens and Jericho are up to seems like it's kind of on track towards WrestleMania, hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, I feel like SmackDown has to be a lot more uh, economical with what it has, and uh, you know, it feels like every moment matters, like you said earlier. Uh, they, they definitely have more things planned out, but they also have to, because they kind of have such a limited roster and, and such a limited number of bodies to work with that if you don't have a clear plan well in advance of what you're doing, uh, I don't know, like, it, it just seems like you have more time to lay things out, whereas Raw sort of feels thrown together at the last minute a lot of the time. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, and there's so many, there are things on Raw that just seem like 
they're doing it because, and you can kind of tell why they're doing it. And it's not for storyline purposes, right? So like, um, the new day, right? That like it seems like they're never gonna lose. They have all these like threats come up, you know, and then they just are nothing because they're killing time until they break that, you know, record for the longest holding tag titles, right? That that seems to be clear what they're doing on that front. It's like when they had Nikki Bella hold the the women's title so she could break um, AJ Lee's record because. You know, they have some kind of acrimony with the foreign performer, so they want to wipe them off the books, and they get to promote it that way. Exactly. And I understand that. That's a business prerogative, you know. And but it, is, it does play time, into a storyline kind of on the on the second level of, like, backstage rumors, basically. Because, yeah, I think I've heard that, like, one of the guys in Demolition is a part of this ongoing concussion lawsuit. So, fuck Demolition. Your, like, ridiculous, unbreakable record is going to be broken just so that no one has to ever mention you on television again. Which is funny, because they're mentioned way more on TV as a result of this decision than they otherwise ever would be. I don't think that's a record that would ever be mentioned where they not about to break it so i mean you end up talking about them a lot more than right. you, you would otherwise but uh yeah it's just kind of a petty grudge that plays itself out over in the case of the new day like months on end at this point they probably should have dropped the titles like six right. months ago if you were telling an actual organic story right and, and it creates this thing where you just start rolling your eyes and you know because they sell a lot of t-shirts why would they ever turn heel right okay fine there was a time when they were it seemed like they were flirting with, like, you know, dissension in the ranks and maybe, like, Big E was going to, you know, and that to me was, like, in, at least an interesting, you know, that's, like, my favorite thing when I watch scripted TV, you know, like a, like a show, um, is when they blow up sort of the, the, the status quo and they have to, like, sort, you know, that, like, is a very interesting thing because as you, know, you think about, like, from the writer's room perspective, you could just be on autopilot forever, you know, we're going to keep having this happen, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, you know, like, a, like the show I think of right now when I think about that is The Good Place, which you know, takes place in a, you know, this idea is basically heaven, and they they talk about in the first couple episodes um, the bad place, which is hell, which is where the main character should be, because, like, there was some kind of clerical mix-up. Um, within, like, five or six episodes, there are people from the bad place who show up to, like, get her, you know? Like, they basically give up the, the plot where they could have had at least a full season of her pretending you know, within five or six episodes, that's only like two and a half hours of TV. Yeah. Um, you get, you know, they've already like blown up. And, and so stuff like that is, you know, okay, well, what's going to happen now? Then then you're genuinely surprised, you know, and, and that does still happen on Raw. But so much of it is just, okay, well, they can sell these boxes of $30 cereal and they can sell these T-shirts and people still yell their stuff when they come out. So they're just going to keep them exactly the same way they are until, I guess, the crowd, like, obviously turns on them to the point where it's no longer a tenable thing i'm not sure what the end game is um but you know because they're still working as heels right now they they cheat to win constantly or are disqualified for cheating like there's no difference between a new day match that they'll put on right now and a new day match from when they were the top heels when they first got the belts however many days ago now, 400 or whatever. Um, like th- The only difference is that they tell us that they're good guys, even though they're obviously not, and people love them because they're funny on the mic, I guess. Right, and that, that kind of thing. And they're, they're different because they're like that because people have accepted them, and that's what got them over was like their kind of being dicks was funny. <laughs> um, you know, and I remember there, were, there, were, there was like a period, you know, last year or so when – they weren't they were like super over but they weren't like um 
sort of like uh, Big Bang Theory over, where it was like literally everybody was happy. It was more like you could tell the people who were into it were a little bit savvier. Yeah. Um, not to be like a shitty hipster, you know. But you know what I mean. Like, like they were still basically heels, but they were over. It's like it's well, it's like watching Owens, right? I mean, and I'm not like a I'm not a firm believer in you have to have good guys act good and bad guys act bad, and there's no in between because that's obviously how they made their bread and butter in the '90s was having people like Austin who would like you know objectively is like beating up his boss and doing all this stuff that's not really um good guy behavior yeah 10 year old patty mo is what like there's cra- a crime what happening me- here yeah exactly <laughs> uh what drives me what drives me nuts is when they try to force the opposite on you like when they have you know cena talking about how lana is like slutty you know or or now with reigns you know all the stuff that he did to get when he you know when he won the u.s title with like you know while well, he like ruin their wedding, you know, and all this stuff, and is talking about how Lana's, like, a, like a, a, you know, a whore, and is, like, you know, doing it. It's just like, okay, so this is the good guy. I'm not supposed to like Rusev in this situation, where he, this guy came up, like, ruined their wedding, is now insulting his girlfriend and all this stuff. Like, come on. And meanwhile, like, there are people who are cheering for Reigns because they're so sort of brain dead that it's like, yeah, insult his girlfriend. That's funny because he's bad. It's like, well, why is he bad? There's no, you know what I mean? Like they don't do anything to establish. Uh, He's very why patriotic. You shouldn't like the guy who's being. He's very patriotic right. for a country that isn't America, and that's enough. That's yeah, exactly. We're stuck in the we're stuck in the 80s again. Yeah, and and that you know, and that's fine. They 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 do what they have to do, and and I think they Reigns is a real problem for them. I think because like they're they. I mean, he's gonna be he's got a title match coming up, doesn't he? I mean, he's ba- He's gonna be forced down our throats again, and. You know, I get that I'm not the I'm not the the target audience. Like you see, the same people that wear the Cena gear, you know, the kids and like the weird adults who have like a childlike um, understanding of, of what wrestling is like for whatever reason. Um, you know, they they those are the people that buy the buy the gear. You know, they have they, they have the Cena stuff and they have the Rain stuff. Those are the same kind of people. So I get that that's like a part of your audience that you have to service at some point, but. Um, you know, I just truly—they were flirting with turning him heel for a while. They sort of had him, you know, acting like a jerk. And after he lost the belt, he was like, "But now he's just back to yeah, he's good again. Now he's—he finally earned his shot, you know, for the seventieth time." There's, um, there's still with an opportunity. The second he comes out, there's still an opportunity here to turn him heel by having him betray babyface Seth Rollins. At this point, they could still do that because, like. Like, as much as, yes, there are a segment, there is a segment of the audience that does view Roman as the, uh, you know, the guy on Raw, I would say that the top babyface on Raw, for the vast majority of the audience, both watching at home and certainly in the building, is Chris Jericho. And I know that he is not a a babyface at all, but, you know, maybe more specifically, the list of Jericho is the top babyface on Raw. Uh, And, you know, that's what people are tuning in for. I read a rumor like two weeks ago that said, you know, WWE looked at uh, the the cool press and awesome moment that Conor McGregor got out of his, his double championship moment holding both belts at the end of that UFC show. And thought, oh yeah, that's good. Let's recreate that with Roman Reigns by having him beat Kevin Owens. And that, to me, is like the craziest fucking thing that I've ever read 
it, from this batshit insane company that makes boneheaded decisions constantly. Like, how can you not recognize that everyone in your audience wants to see Kevin Owens versus Chris Jericho for the WWE Universal Championship at WrestleMania? That is the program. You've been building towards it for, like, almost an entire year now. It is, like been an accidental build because I don't think any of this would have happened if, you know, Finn Balor hadn't gotten injured right after SummerSlam. Um, but, like, that's the that's the money. That is that is where the money is. And, you know, you were talking earlier about a guy like Heyman talking about, um, you know, having to the point of every program or every promo, rather, is is money and getting them to buy the show. That program is the money. People want that feud and, like, why would you even consider putting Roman Reigns in that slot instead? Like, are you... Do you not watch the show that you produce every week? I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> it's... It's... it's inter- I mean, like, it's interesting when, when, when you realize that somebody, you know, high up, and it's you just say Vince because he just stands in for the apparatus of everybody who's making the decisions, but it really is basically him, as, as far as I understand it. He's the guy who has the final, you know, veto on everything. You know, he... People like good performers. That's you know what I mean. Because like there wasn't anything that was done to push the list or to push this friendship as like the top thing. People just responded to it because it was good and entertaining. Yeah. So you know you can't like you can't just like generate that you know by having oh well now and and, and it really does crack me up and I'm I'm actually shocked that Owens has had the title for as long as he has. I mean because he truly. It shows you how good he is that he's just completely undeniable, even though he's definitely not the guy that that Vince wants to be on Sports Center and all that stuff, right? Because he doesn't have the look at all. He's a fucking fat guy with a beard. You know what I mean? It's like wearing that's like, why I think he's the greatest. Clothes. Yeah, like because you you go to I mean and 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 you know you know your audience. I know that you know it's an aspirational thing when you're running a promotion you want to have like the sexiest audience possible, right? But if you if you go to a WWE show, you see a lot of Owens shirts and guess who they're on? People that look like Kevin Owens, like me, you know, like you. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? Like the, know your audience. That they're like it's like a creator wrestler in real life. It's like you made yourself in a game and you made yourself awesome at wrestling, <laughs> only now he's actually the champ. Like it's completely nuts that it even is happening. Um but like from a PR perspective, it's got to be you know a nightmare. You know, like oh, I wish he wasn't. I wish that we had any excuse to get rid of him and put it on somebody like even Rollins. But you know, but but Reigns would be like the you know like the perfect because you have the pedigree, you have the fact that he's you know related to the Rock. You can do all these things, you know. But the people have not responded well, and, and you know, and not to take anything away from him in ring. You know, I think he's. He's not uh, he's not Rollins level, you know, but um, you know Rollins is so good that you know he's he's like a he has a face wrestling style even when he was a heel, right? He does all these crowd pleasing things that you sort of it's untenable unless you try to make him more boring, you know. Where like it's like when Owens like that's why he's so good when he's doing like the headlock master stuff, you know, where he's doing intentionally boring, you know, hold stuff. Because to do fun stuff makes them cheer him, which he, which he's not. He knows he's not supposed to get the result. Yeah, so, exactly. And he's you know that's just like he, trolling the audience basically. Right. Like you see something like that, you know, and it's the same thing with Sasha. Like these people who uh, you know have been living and breathing this stuff since they were kids, and are now having the chance to do it. 
there's a reason that they're so good at it. They're not like accidentally in this business. You know, it's not like Reigns where it's like a failed football player. Oh, well, I'm big and strong, so let's try this. You know, not to say, and again, not to knock him too hard, but somebody like Sasha Banks, who, you know, uh, was obsessed with wrestling when she was a kid, or somebody like Owens, who, like, that's, this is all he's ever wanted to do his whole life. There's a different kind of mindset that they have, you know, and that's why they're as good as they are. It's all the little stuff, like Sasha taking the, that little girl's, like, hairpiece or whatever, you know, in, in NXT and, like, throwing it into the crowd, you know, or. Owens like throwing the bouquet of flowers in Japan on the ground, you know, and like not respecting this little stuff like that that like other people maybe wouldn't think of. Um, you know, that's what, and I think that's what like people in general like they don't even know why they're booing this guy. Um, you know, on the, if you're talking about like a general audience type thing, um, but people like us like applaud that. I think that's awesome. So it's like impossible for them to ever be totally heel. You know, the real heels are people who we don't think should be in the main event that are in the main event. <laughs> You know, like, or, like, like, what, like when, like when Kane was feuding with Rollins. It's like, oh okay, my God. now we ha- a true, true heel is fifty-year-old libertarian Kane, uh, who for some reason is fighting, you know, the champ in a main event when there's other people on the roster, which is insane. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, but um, I was gonna latch onto something there, and it ties back into what we were talking about earlier, uh, in terms of you know the the draw for why so many comedians are are fans of wrestling as adults and and i think the reason is like you you said there was no plan for owens and jericho to be what they are on tv now but the reason why they're as successful as they are and the reason why so many people who are you know adults in the field of performing comedy perhaps are are drawn to that kind of act is because they're just funny like chris jericho is hilarious and you know like if roman reigns could tell a joke if he could improvise if he could make something up on the spot that was legitimately like crowd pleasing and funny then he would be over he would be a babyface the babyface that vince so badly wants him to be but he uh you know he doesn't have comedic timing he doesn't have improv chops he's not uh you know somebody who's been a student of wrestling for their entire life despite growing up around it i don't think so he doesn't have the idea to do something like that and uh you know (laughs) people just want to be entertained that's why we tune in like just give me something good and you know that's been the weird thing to me watching people bemoan the fact that James Ellsworth has been involved in the uh, the program with uh, Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles over on SmackDown. It's like you well you don't want to turn your world title program into a comedy program. It's like well why not? Like it's been really good. It's been very entertaining. It's had a you know the best moment of Survivor Series was James Ellsworth eliminating Braun Strowman. How could anyone not love that? You know like. Uh, I just, you know, it, it, make it as entertaining as possible. It doesn't have to be a blood feud every time. Right. I mean, if it's if it's over, it's over, right? I mean, that's why they signed him, you know, at this point. Because, like, look, for whatever reason, um, it, you know, and it's probably not what the writers want in the abstract, obviously, is for him to be like this. But, I mean, look, you, again, you look at the T-shirt sales, you know, when they put out that, sh- that horrible shirt that people were buying for some reason, you know. Like, okay, well, we have something here, so we might as well, like, play it out until they, you know, inevitably turn on him and get sick of it or whatever, you know? And and, and it's it, – you're right about Reigns. Like, the, the, the thing is, yeah, he doesn't have – he doesn't have that – he doesn't have the microphone talent. Like, and he doesn't really have a net to work with to get better because, you know, if you're going to make him in the title program and he can't talk, then he can't talk. There's no, like, getting better at this unless you're going to have him just talk a lot at house shows or something, which is not really how those things work anyway. 
So unless you're the Miz, uh, right? That's the Miz correct. talks about um, shows a lot, which is great. Well, he's like he's like secretly the best. I mean, nobody understands it, you know, better than him, you know. And that's the uh, like it. You got to use people for what they're good at, you know. And the thing about Reigns is that they he should, he just shouldn't talk. You know what I mean? When he was in the Shield, what everybody loved it, he, that he was that this like dark, handsome guy who was like a killer who like never even opened his mouth like that. You know what I mean? Like you don't need him to to go out and cut a promo about how he's been working his whole life and he's got his daughters. Like no, I don't think anybody ever wanted to hear that. You know? I mean, it, there's a reason that like there's a reason that like Keanu Reeves in his best movies doesn't have a lot of dialogue, right? That's just the, you know not not to draw too many pair, but like that's not his thing. You know, he's not a guy who delivers a long monologue. He's a guy who shoots ninety people in the head over the course of a movie like John Wick. Yeah, you know what I mean? who, that's, a, you can, a guy who very convincingly murders people with jujitsu for ninety minutes. Like that's right, that's, that's what he is, and that's great. It's poor, right. Play to the strengths, you know. I mean, someone like Owens can kind of do it all. Someone like Jericho, he was like groan-inducing when they were trying to have him be a face because he was like cool dad, you know. But the second that you flip the switch and he's a bad guy. People love it because he's so easy to hate with that little scarf, and it's perfect. You know, like that. He, he's like he's somebody who's just naturally aligned with. He's so good at being hateable that people love him. And right? on, so honestly, it, like he's been so good this entire year. But I think his best performance on this run would be uh, during Roadblock before WrestleMania, the network show that they did in Toronto. The fact that he was able so early in this heel run, also to turn an, an entire arena of Canadian fans in Toronto against him by calling it, like, the asshole of Canada, basically. Like, just what a master on the microphone. If you watch that promo that he cut on that special, it is just, like, r- incredible. He's been so fucking good this whole time. Like, if you look back on this run from f- start to finish, like... Even beating AJ Styles, which made me so mad when it happened at WrestleMania, like, that, oh, it's building him for the next WrestleMania, ultimately, which we didn't know at the time, so that kind of excuses that, but also just, like, the way you talked about the the shitty uh, Ellsworth shirt that, that sold, like, hotcakes for some reason, I loved that Y2AJ put out that shirt for like two weeks that they were a tag team that was so poorly designed that they knew no one would buy it. <laughs> like, like it was an int- intentionally bombed piece of merchandise that like, you know, they may not have made more than like a hundred copies of that shirt knowing that it wasn't going to sell, but like, Oh, uh, just, and him like lighting it on fire in a trash can when he turned on it, it just his whole run this year has been incredible. And I took some guff from, um, you know, my buddy John Cullen for on the last episode of Real Grab Show saying that uh, Jericho's character has been all about Owens uh, while they were, you know, heating Owens up there for a bit because it's not entirely true. Jericho uh, is always going to be Jericho and he's, you know, been the star of this entire year when you look at it, really. Like, fuck, just incredible stuff from him. And then uh, one more point here on Kevin Owens as well. The guy can talk better than basically anybody, and it is insane to me that there are people in high-up positions at WWE who look at Kevin Owens and look at Roman Reigns and would rather put Roman Reigns on a microphone because he doesn't have, like, a Quebecois accent when he speaks. Yeah. I mean, it's... 
English isn't even his first language. That's completely crazy. <laughs> like, you listen to it, it's like, the, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, everything you said about Jericho is true, and, and, and you know, there's a, it's good that he's not like a monster, that Owens is not like a monster heel. He was in NXT when he was, like, killing Sami Zayn and all that stuff, and that was good because that built him in a way that made him, you know, a credible threat, you know, going forward, and, the, you know, and, and when so then when he showed up to fight Cena, that all kind of made sense, but, like, there's a particular kind of, and they're doing it with styles too, I think, where there is like a comedy element because like they're like, like they're, they're these they're guys that you want to see get pants. You know what I mean? Like it, like they're so arrogant that you want to like because Owens does it better than anybody, where he's like strutting around and then somehow like the bottom drops out and he does that like shock face before he gets like kicked in the head or whatever, you know. And and Jericho with like the drink it in man like that stuff you just that's somebody you just want to see get like thrown in a garbage can right like, that's like what you know and and that's great you know you don't need the bad guys don't need to all be Braun Strowman where they're just like you know well he's just gonna kill the person you know there is a time for that kind of stuff but for the era as it stands right now is kind of like you know old timey just like oh I hate this guy I can't wait for him to get his comeuppance type thing as opposed to you know. The Undertaker uh, is gonna uh, uh, marry Stephanie McMahon in a in a satanic ceremony, you know, and needs to be uh, uh, chained to his own weird symbol cross thing, yeah. you know, and that kind of. And, and Rollins Cause, cause was that, really good at that too last year in his run as the champion before he got injured. I feel like he was like you know the kind of guy that you wanted to see get pantsed also, and and that run as champ was was very strong from a character perspective. The problem was he didn't have anybody to work with opposite him that you actually wanted to see beat him. Uh, and I think, like, Kane kind of sums that up in a nutshell. Like, if that's a guy yeah. that you're going to put in a title program for, you know, six weeks or however long that went for, like, fuck. Like, come on. Yeah. Man, you're wasting. I, I, I feel like maybe their hand was forced a little bit. They probably planned to do more with him and Sting, which I thought was a really exciting matchup. And then obviously that, that injury kind of nixed all of that, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, know. I mean, I mean the, the thing about, the thing about Rollins is that like, he's, you know, it was almost like he was too much like Triple H where he was doing those, like, 20-minute promos to open every Raw, you know, where it's like, okay, dude, like, enough. Like, you know, <laughs> like, he was good. He he was good in that, like, you, yeah, you hated him or whatever, but you also literally, like, hated the show because you didn't want to, I don't need to watch this anymore, you know what I mean? But um, the thing they did with him, you know, that they haven't done with Owens, which is good, is that there wasn't any kind of, like, paternalism where it's, like, the company protecting him, like... That only goes so far. You have to be able to sh- prove that, like, you can beat people, you know? And so when he has, like, like the security team and all that stuff is funny, you know, and it, and it was and it was entertaining. But, like, at the end of the day, you have to, like, establish yourself as somebody who, if we were, like, you know, everybody's barred from ringside and all that stuff, like, I have, you have to prove you can kick somebody's ass, you know? And, and I think that there was a little bit of a, 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 a little bit missing there, you know, which is, which is fine, you know, and, and they, and they've sort of rehabbed him since he came back and all that stuff. But, um, you know, obviously he beat Cena and all that stuff, but that was with interference. You know, so much of what happened with him was the result of, you know, I mean, I mean, look at what happened. With, I mean, they've completely been hands off with Owens, which I think is really smart. Save for um, how he won the title in the first place. Well, that's what I mean. Like somehow they managed to make it. So nobody even questions that anymore. Um, because it was definitely kind of me- like we were supposed to like, in being Seth Rollins' corner, 
because he's mad that he didn't get the title handed to you know what I mean? It was like not a very credible like babyface motivation. Yeah, the game like, he, he was still like a whiny asshole, but we're supposed to like him now because we secretly hey, always have. I was I was supposed to be the guy the boss gave the belt to. This is bullshit. <laughs> you know, that's not really um gonna get a crowd to cheer for you. I mean just fighting fighting authority in general, I guess, is like the obvious trope that they always go back to. Um but I think it was really smart to not have Triple H show up and explain why he did what he did, you know, the next week. Um, because that would have, like, you know, then you have, like, Dad on top of the guy who's actually the champ, you know, and you start to wonder, well, why isn't he just the champ then? Yeah. You know, if he's so awesome. Um, and, I mean, that was the problem. I mean, there were a lot of problems with it. But, you know, when Sheamus won the title last year, which is hard to believe that that was actually a year ago, that Sheamus yeah. cashed in money in the bank and was the WWE champion. Uh, but he had the same thing. Like, he he just became, like, the stand-in for Seth, basically. Just Triple H's guy. Uh, yeah. With, with a different posse, I suppose, but hand-picked and, and still, you know, having uh, Triple H just hover over him at all times. And... and you know, I, I expect that he will come back probably around Rumble time, and, and that will be the feud for, for Rollins heading into the next WrestleMania. Um, but thank God that he has not been on TV every single week in the interim. Like, I love the guy. Great performer. My favorite when I was a kid. Like, you know, I loved, I loved the heels even as a kid. But, like, like you said, you, you can only see the show open with a 15-minute promo, 20-minute promo so often before like jesus give me something else right <laughs> like yeah i mean i mean yeah tri- triple h is 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 great and, and he's like an all-time you know backstage guy you know as somebody who like would follow like the rumor stuff obviously like his ability to like I me mean, married his, he married the boss's daughter like there's no better you know way to get ahead than something like that um but you i mean like did you see that um you know that max landis thing that wrestling isn't wrestling yeah. uh, video the yeah. youtube video yeah like that is such a compelling through line of a story, like over the course of 20 years, you know, he's a B plus player. He's not like the guy, blah, blah, blah. And how that like informs his entire psyche, even though it's, I'm sure, you know, obviously that's embellished and whatever, but like you watch that and it's like, Oh, now I understand everything about this guy. Um, even though it may or may not be true. Like, like people respect talent, you know, like I was at actually at the raw when he, like he blew out his quad or whatever it was. And he was out for like a year, Yeah, you know, in like the late nineties. I was at the Raw where he came back, where it was like that insane, like, you know, 20 minute pop where like people went nuts when he came out because he'd just been gone. Um, and that was like, you know, people were just happy to have him back because like you do appreciate somebody even when they're, you know, there are things you don't like about them. Like this is a guy who can fill the, you know, he's like the, he's perfect to slot into these things. Sheamus, I think, is just not one of those guys, you know, like it, it, it's one of those things where, um, it's uncomfortable to watch speaking, going back to like the, you know, being a performer or like having any kind of show business, you know, element to your life when something is like really not over and they're trying to get it over and it's not working. It like makes like my, I like cringe. I like want to crawl under my couch. You know what I mean? This is basically that was describing like the, was, the entire return run of Alberto Del Rio. Right. That was the entirety of that. What, what was that group called? Like Mex America of, was his first thing. Yeah. And then the league of nations. League of Nations, that's it. Like that was that was just so not over, and they kept forcing it on everybody. And it's like this is not working, guys. Like, well, you know, and I know it's, that it's the, it's the thing too. Like you talked about how like Seth and and uh, Owens never get made to look strong, or like that they can beat people on their own. This was a like a faction of four guys that you'd showed us were like a bunch of turds separately that 
like anybody could push over and pin easily. And then you put them together, and even together they weren't a force. They were still a bunch of turds. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm just happy who, that. Who, and who, <laughs> go ahead. Who you, you were gonna say? Who was it even? Well, it was it was Rusev, Sheamus, Alberto, and who was the fourth? Wade Barrett. That's right. Who's no longer with the company? Okay, yeah, I was gonna say. Even right. though they're still um, promoting a movie that he's in that's coming out, and they're promoting it using the name Wade Barrett, that he is the actor uh, Wade Barrett, but he's not. Look, man, the car. It's, it's it's carnies, man. I'm telling you, you gotta you gotta sell that stuff. That's all. That's all that matters when it comes down to it. But I mean, yeah, it's not like it's art for the sake of art. And I get that, like you know, the writers at some point, you know, have to like stick with what they decided to do right you know like even if it's not getting over right away if they abandoned everything just because it wasn't immediately over the show would be insane because it would change every week because there's so much dead time you know an average raw that you know it would be they would just be constantly bailing on angles and everything i mean i feel like the current women's title feud on raw is kind of that though like you know they've swapped it three times now and it's it just loses more meaning every time it happens. Like I'm happy that Sasha is champion. I would have loved her to have never lost it in the first place. Um, right. But like the more was, they swap, the more it kind of cheapens the meaning of it. It's kind of well. It's kind of strange because like it's hard to complain too much about the feud only because they always put on good matches. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're genuinely like that match when the most recent one when Sasha won was like that was like a pay per view quality match. It was like, spectacular. That was really good. It was spectacular. And. And it's just on. It's just on Raw, you know. And and, and it's hard to really fault. You, know, you can't fault the performers at all because it's not. It's not on them. They do what they're told to do, you know. It just um, feels but, like there's no creative direction when you switch it that many times in such a sort, right. short period. And I like, mean, I was shocked that she that she won it because everything was signaling. You know, and I know, and I know it's a swerve, I guess, but not really. I mean, like everything was signaling that they're going to have Charlotte keep it for like, you know, a while. And, you know, in most cases, and by turning it into like a no DQ false count anywhere match, it seemed to be opening the door for like, say Nia Jax to run in and screw Sasha out of the title. And then that's her program for the next two months instead. Right. And then you switch it to Bailey Charlotte or something like that. Exactly. I mean, maybe, maybe that's, you know, because, because I don't know. That seemed I'm starting like to worry. All the signals were pointing towards. It seemed like that was what was going to happen. Right. I mean, I'm starting to worry now because the way they've handled Sasha, like, she's like, she's like too over to ever be a heel at this point, almost. Yeah. You know, like, she's like the, she's like the, I mean, Bailey is, is obviously super over too, but like, what would Sasha have to do to like get people to boo her, you know, even against Bailey? Like, would she have to hit her with her car or something? Like, I, I can't even think of anything that would be, would get her the heat that, that's needed for that feud to have that kind of level of, you know, and I mean, Charlotte, look, I mean, I think that, you know, she's really talented and she's gotten a lot better, you know, on the microphone and all that stuff. But I think that there's something about her that people just don't really like. So she's like naturally suited for being, you know, a heel just because, you know, for whatever re- Oh, well, she's Ric Flair's daughter, blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever subconscious stuff is going on. I'm trying to- People just don't like legacy people. I-, I don't know what to call it, but. You know, she's much more suited because it's, people it's that are artists and basically. It's like it's nepotism, right. even if they are talented and deserving, as Charlotte certainly is. Uh, right. Like when they were so presenting she's... her as a babyface, talking to people in the crowd or in in the line waiting to go into the arena at shows I went to uh, during their initial call up run, people were still like, "Oh yeah, she's talented, but like fuck her, I hate her." Even though she's like 
presented as a face fuck her for being her dad's daughter it's like oh okay well yeah like, she's pretty good though right like right no and i'm not I, and i'm not <laughs> saying that's i'm not saying that's fair but that but again it's about knowing what you have right so they were yeah. smart like you turn you turn her have her be this entitled you know it's in her blood anyway to and be she, like yeah, the, oh, i'm yeah. a douche heel she's a way better performer in that role anyways so it's not it's the right move no matter what but uh because the problem is that, you know, more often than not, faces have no character. You know, they're just good. That's you the know? Roman like, problem. That's, like, Reigns. So much of... I, I can't tell yeah, you anything about who Roman Reigns is as a character. Right. I mean, so much of the business is dependent on having good heels, because what else is there, right? And that's why, you know, more often than not, it makes more sense to have a heel with the belt, because the chase is the whole thing, right? Then you have that moment of you know, like orgiastic, oh my God, they did it. And then you have them lose it in a month or whatever, because having a, having a face champ for multiple months is like, it gets boring. Cause yeah. you know, then what, you know, I mean, so that's, it's like I was that, talking, to, I was talking to my girlfriend last night about that, you know, Roman Reigns rumor that he might be double champion and how stupid and terrible that would be. And how could the company be so brain dead and just tone deaf to what their audience wants and she made the point that, like, you know what? Like, that's kind of what I like about Raw is that so often it doesn't give me what I want that when it does, it's, like, much more meaningful. Whereas, like, a show like SmackDown that is very well put together, a lot more, like, well-scripted than, say, Raw is, tends to give the audience what they want all the time, and then that becomes boring. Like, Becky Lynch. I love Becky Lynch. My girlfriend loves Becky Lynch. We all wanted her to be the SmackDown Women's Champion. Um, but, like, thank God she lost it tonight because there was nothing for her to do as the person on top. Like, Right. And that's, a, that's both a creative problem in that the writers can't come up with something uh, more intrinsically exciting for somebody to do as the champion. I feel like they were better at that, like, in the late 90s and early 2000s, but that was because probably there were more stupid like soap opera romance or office corporate intrigue like storylines going right. on that people could get roped into whereas at this point it's mostly just like people hate each other and fight and that's about it <laughs> right i mean well when austin was the champ that was okay because it was like he still had vince who was like the true champ because he ran the company right so like Vince being mad that Austin was the champion worked because you still had like that somebody who was already on top who was like the bad guy. And to so me, it, was, it made sense. One of the most memorable moments in my entire wrestling fandom career, like watching Monday Night Raw as a kid, was a, a WWF title match between Austin and The Undertaker in like the height of their feud, in the height of the Attitude Era, where in the main event on Raw, Austin won the championship against Taker, where even as a kid, I was programmed to know that, like, oh, a title match on TV is just going to end in a fuck finish so that they can go to the pay-per-view and have the real <laughs> match. Even as a kid, I knew that, and seeing him win it was, like, so impactful that I still remember the moment and, like, the goosebumps I got out of it to this day, and then I look at, like... Sasha Banks, who's technically had that moment three times in the last three months, and, like, what does she really get out of that versus if she'd gotten the big hometown pay-per-view win in Boston at Hell in a Cell, you know? Like, right. It, it, it's, it's weird, like, and what your girlfriend was saying about Raw is true. Like, you don't get what you want, but I don't think that it's 
intentional. You know, that's the thing that's different. I don't think it's like them denying you anything. I think it's them not knowing what the fuck they're doing. And I that's do like feel like problem. that sometimes, though. But the other side of it is like, you know, this Owens Jericho thing seems like it has a clear destination. And I'm hoping that yeah. these rumors that they're throwing out to the contrary are just like trying to throw us off the scent of this obvious thing that they've been laying out all along. Um, right. Because, well, that's the thing. There's because, so many like, levels of work. All we really like want to see at this point is Jericho put Owens on the list. And the longer they draw that out and don't give it to me, <laughs> the more I'm going to tune in to watch it happen. You know? Like, right. Because that's, I mean, it's that's where, where it's, we're going. We have to be. That's right. where we I had mean, to be going from the moment the list was even introduced as a concept. Right. I mean, it, it, it becomes a point where, like, you watch it for long enough, and they, they have to be aware of this, I think, you know, because they know at some point they know who watches the show. But you, when you watch it for long enough, the only thing that, like, gets it up for you, so to speak, is, like, you know, something that truly shocks you. You know what I mean? Like, for better or worse, you know, whether it's a good result or a bad result, it's like uh, that Simpsons line where Krusty's talking about, you know, freebasing moon rocks just to get to normal. Where, like, you've done so many drugs... The only thing that you could that has any effect is something so insane. Like, like the Goldberg thing was genuinely shocking. I like laughed out loud when it happened because like I cannot believe this is happening. You know, I've, I, I at the time I was like I don't understand this because I don't know how this helps them to have this fifty year old guy just destroy the monster that you've established over the past three years. But I've come to love it now in retrospect because it's like, look, man, this is it's entertainment, right? You're supposed yeah. to entertain people. And that was genuinely a shocking moment. So was Owens winning on Raw, winning the Fatal 4-Way. Yeah. That was like, I mean, you, you started to get the same. When Triple H came out and everyone's like, oh, God, here we go. And then you start to get, I started to get, like, the hair on the back of my neck started to stand up because they had Rollins acting perfectly, like, so entitled and smug and shitty, you know, when he's in the ring. And Owens is sitting in the corner, and I was like, holy shit, he's going to pedigree Rollins right now. I can't believe this is happening. And then he did it, and the crowd, like, you see those guys in the front row in like that TV position, you know, where like where they because they always have the camera on one side of the of the arena. Yeah, like all the guys, all the guys that are like us, were going crazy the second that happened because like, I can't believe they're going to do this. They're actually going to put the belt on the guy that we like, you know, that we think is actually good. Like it's completely crazy. Um, that was like the same type of shit, you know. It was like, I can't believe this is actually happening. This is like, you know, um, a genuinely surprising thing. So moments like that, and that's the kind of stuff. It's like gambling. Where you lose all the time, but the times you win, you always remember. The times you lose, you like don't remember. Like that's what keeps you around. It's yeah. like this, like you know, these little like reinforcement moments. And you were talking about when Owen, uh, when uh, Undertaker uh, uh, dropped the belt to Austin on Raw. For me, like the all-time, I don't think this is very controversial to say, but the biggest pop I've ever seen, and, and there's nothing that can ever compare to it. I don't think is when Austin came out when it was The Rock versus Mankind when they had like the corporation and DX were fighting, you know, on, on each other's sides. Yeah. Um, when Austin came out and then like brain the rock with the chair, you know, and all that, and then Mankind won the belt. I was in bed. I remember I was probably like a sophomore or junior in high school. I like jumped out of bed. I was like so fired up because that was like completely exactly what like when the cra- the crowd wants something so bad and they actually give it to them like that. It's like this insane release because you're waiting like something's going on. It's, you know, Austin's been gone for a while, whatever, you know, and it's like. You know, everybody hates The Rock because he's, like, becoming really good at, you know, what he's doing and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden the glass hit, breaks and then people, like, it's like a, it's insane. You can, I mean, you can watch it. I watch it every once in a while. I mean, I've watched that Raw a few times on network, you know, and it's, like, super entertaining to watch because it's just, like, this is, like, that's, like, the peak of the, to me, that's, like, the peak of the form. 
because you can't tell me there's not something real there when that many people like that doesn't even happen. Like that's like sports level, you know, um, cheering for something that is not real, you yeah. know, that, the, that people know is not real. Uh, which you know doesn't happen with scripted stuff, really, like that. And so, maybe like I mean, the Daniel Bryan WrestleMania is kind of like the only thing we've had on that level in this era. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. It's, yeah. It's, it's kind of funny though because yeah. like I, I look back, you're talking about moments more defining anything than like the entirety of uh, yeah. of 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 any part of it. Um, and you know, like the 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 WrestleMania where Seth cashed in at the end. And, and won the, the title at the end of that Brock Roman match uh, was a really good match between Brock and Roman beforehand. Uh, I will concede, but I remember watching that show and just being like the same sort of feeling I had watching WrestleMania this year, which was like, "What the fuck is happening with this? Like, <laughs> what? Who is booking this show? It seems completely disconnected from anything that has happened on television in the lead up to it. It's like intended for a completely different audience than the people who tune in week to week. What the fuck? The results make no sense. This isn't anything that I wanted. But then Seth won the title at the end, and if I look back on that WrestleMania in my brain, I'm like, that was a really good show. And while watching it, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this show? Um, so yeah, like... Yeah, no, as, definitely. As long as you ultimately leave happy then you're all good, you know? You, right. you just need that one thing at the end. Well, I mean, that, that was, yeah, I mean, the, the, when Rollins cashed in, it was like, oh, thank God, because, like, then you realize that somebody who has a brain is, like, running the ship, because it was like, what, you know, nobody wants to see Reigns as the champ, you, you know, and it was a good match, you know, they, they, it was just, sometimes you just want to watch two guys just hoss it up, and that's basically what was going on, you yeah. know? And, and, and Lesnar was like, actually beating up brains like he was like kicking his ass like you know he's obviously like super stiff and all that stuff but like that was like you know reigns is a big guy who can handle it so like it, you know i guess that's fine but like he was basically beating him up and he then he you know the thing where he like keeps laughing every time he sits up and all like that was a well-told story but the second that ron's came out i was like thank god like we're gonna have you know because you just it was not it was not tenable to have Reigns just be the guy, you know, it just didn't make any sense. And obviously they had to get the belt off Lesnar because it's weird to have your champ be a guy who's on TV once every three months. Um, so that was, if it was, if it wasn't Rollins, it was going to have to be probably have to be Reigns. So, um, yeah, that was just, a, that was like a feeling of that was almost like a relief more than anything else. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I don't have to hate this product for the next <laughs> however long, you know, I want to get back that. to, uh, to talking about Brock and, and Goldberg that you brought up a little bit earlier. Because uh, you were at um, SummerSlam, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, it was in uh, again this year. Were you at the show this year? I'm pretty sure you were. I was, I was yeah. And, yeah. and like, was the finish to that Brock-Randy Orton match as confusing and, and like kind of off-putting and what a strange, sour note to end the show on in the building as it was watching on TV? It was probably worse because there was no commentary to like guide how you're supposed to be viewing this thing. It was like really strange, um, and that was two years in a row too. Because I think last SummerSlam that the last match was on that Undertaker Lesnar match, right? Was yeah. is that right? I was I, so I, I was at both of those. That had another like shitty like you know finish that made no sense, where it was like the false tap out or he tapped out, but then he passed out or whatever. You know, and it he was just, tapped like, very... while the ref was counting the pin. I think if I remember correctly. And then he, like, because he had him in that triangle hold, you know, the famous Undertaker move that we all enjoy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, fine, you know, whatever. Like, it, 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 But, yeah, it's, it's weird. 
it definitely sours the whole thing because then everybody has to like go back to real life, right? Like you're you're caught in this little like dream state yeah. where it's three hours of like this insanely dumb stuff going on. Um, like the world is so skewed that even in like in Brooklyn, like people are like doing the We the People chants when like Jack Swagger comes out. You know what I mean? It's like this is so weird. Like nobody cares about this guy. He's you know what I mean? <laughs> but for whatever reason, people are just so fired up. Like for the even when it's the pre-show because they're ready for the show. Yeah. Um. And then when you disappoint people like that and like this weird thing, because it still doesn't really, uh, it doesn't even make sense what purpose that served. Like, I think it was like Les- for Brock to just win in a vicious way that was different from the monster ways that he'd won before, possibly. But I think that's yeah. why it made the Goldberg thing so good and and a genuine shock. Like, I paused the show because you know we were told that this is going to be a four hour pay per view going into it. There was still an hour left in the in the show, what was like scheduled for it on the network, going into that main event. I paused the show. I had some people over, and I was like, okay, this seems like the perfect time, an hour left. I ordered some pizza. I'm going to walk down to the pizzeria, go get it, and come back, because we still have this huge main event in front of us. I left to get pizza for like 15 minutes. I came back, and the match was a minute and 20 seconds. Like, I could right, not right, right. believe what happened. Uh, and what a foolish time to go get pizza that was. <laughs> but, uh, well, it's, uh, it's, al- it's, almost like, it's almost like they're taking cues from MMA or like boxing where like, like I, was at, I was at a bar, I remember, for like the UFC where like McGregor won in like 12 seconds and whatever match that was against. I, I don't even remember because I'm not super into it. But yeah. like... You know, like you, you have this thing where people are like drinking and, and, and shooting the shit and eating like flatbread or whatever the pizza they had at the place was, you know, for like three hours. And then it's like, here it is, the main event. And then it's over right away. And everyone's like, oh, like it's completely it adds to the unpredictability factor for sure. But I mean, the, the more I think about it, I mean, the thing is, they're going to have a rematch. And I don't think anybody wants to see like a 15 minute Lesnar Goldberg match. It's not going to be good, you know, um, because because I don't I don't think they're going to make. Goldberg take a hundred suplexes at age forty nine, you know, um, where he could just like die in the ring. I don't think anybody wants to see that. But and he probably can't really go the way he never was. He was always like a two move guy. He was never really like much of a you know telling a story in a match guy anyway. So it was really like that was like the perfect like the like the platonic ideal of a Goldberg match was that match. And as much as like fans have sort of built up now uh, this like. The moment when Brock Lesnar loses clean to somebody as like, oh, this star making thing. And it, and it will be when it does happen. Like, you know, we've seen this guy get built up into this unbeatable monster who demolished John Cena in a way that no one ever has over the last like three years now. And ultimately it has to build towards somebody finally beating him and getting brought up to another level on that victory. Obviously, Goldberg is not that guy, but he doesn't need to be either because, like, you know, Bill Goldberg is a legend. Uh, and I know that's a word that the company throws around all the time, but he is a legend in, like, the actual sense, not in the, like, oh, who's a tag team we can put into the Hall of Fame this year sense, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so, like, right. ultimately, yes, did he beat Brock and take away the, like, the surprise of whoever gets that eventual victory? Sure, yes, but also whoever gets that eventual victory is also going to be put on the level of Bill Goldberg, which is a huge thing. And, like, you can't just continue to have Brock 
run over guys like he has been if you don't know who is eventually going to get that win because I think we saw at SummerSlam that like watching him beat somebody as a monster is kind of boring now and watching him lose even as quickly as he did was super exciting in a very strange and explicable way. I think that, you know, you lose sight when you start to anal- overanalyze everything of the fact that, you know, it's supposed to be it's it is supposed to be entertaining and fun. You don't have to like turn this into like, you know, fantasy booking for everything. Um I definitely was not looking forward to it. I was, you know, not super pumped about it. You know, they were doing all that like it was like cross promotion for like a video game is the way they were selling it. Yeah, they you know? both, the, and, the feud had the exact same storyline as like uh, Rocky Balboa. Like, hey, Rock, this guy's uh, gonna beat you in a video game. You think you can come back and beat him? Like, like that. It was that is the exact plot of Rocky Balboa. <laughs> like, right? Except that, they, this, simu- <laughs> this simulation's got a lot of people talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And they, like, they even explicitly, like, you know, connected that dot in the Paul Heyman promo after the loss the other night where he's, like, in tears being like, we thought this was a joke. This was a friggin' video game. Like, you know, like, I, I don't know. I love what they're doing, and it's crazy that they are ultimately going to turn in, uh, you know, a, a four-month feud between two part-time performers, basically. Uh out of out of a video game, it's it is amazing, and it got and look, it got him in the news, right? I mean, like it, it, and that's on some level, you start to think that like you know, um, like maybe that's what they want above all else. You know, if if the mainstream media is talking about what happened at a wrestling pay per view, that's like the ultimate goal. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like so, like you if you remember Goldberg from the early two thousand late nineties and early two thousands. Well, he's back, and he just beat the baddest guy in the blood. You know, it's like okay, well, uh, that's that's what they want, you know, and that's fine. Um, sometimes it can be a thing that's just for the purpose of you know uh, uh, getting attention, you know, and that's fine. But it was it it was the right way to go, you know. I mean, uh, the only alternative would have been to have Lesnar kill him because nobody wants, like I said, nobody wants to see a twelve minute um, match where I guess like he tries to go for the spear a bunch of times, and because I don't even know what 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 Goldberg has. Other than the spear and the jackhammer, there's not a whole lot else going on really yeah. with him. Yeah, maybe so, just like a regular suplex and the DDT right. <laughs> or a clothesline or something. I don't. Who some knows? Some kind of like some kind of like MMA striking type stuff. He, I think he was doing at one point, but um, you know he's not going to be able to do like the kip up and stuff like he used to when he was you know 20 years younger. So it's not really you know just going to. And and Lesnar has sort of coalesced into, even though he's capable of a lot more. His style is just, you know, I'm just going to come out and hurt you. You know, obviously he's not doing the, the the shooting star press anymore or anything like that. But like, he was at one point capable of that kind of crazy stuff. But when you're like supposed to be like a monster heel type, you don't want to do like you know super fun stuff because nobody you know. And that and that's another thing that I read. You know, not to go off on a tangent, but like this cruiserweight division is kind of boned, and I feel like it should be on SmackDown. I know they don't have as much time, you know, to do it, yeah. but. Like, like the nature of the way that wrestling has like developed, like these guys all doing all this crazy flip stuff and like these these super high spots, which really require like an incredible amount of athleticism and talent. Like the crowd has almost like been made immune to it because they have all these big guys doing all that kind of stuff too. So, and never mind the fact that there are no characters in the division short of Kendrick. You know, um, Rich Swan. I feel like has kind of gotten over, but just as being a happy dancing guy. They, exactly. They There's finally no, like... did present his 
like legitimate real life story that is super compelling on 205 Live this week before he won the cruiserweight title on the first show. Um, yeah, but I don't know why they had never done that on Raw. Like this guy is amazing, and they just have given him the exact same smiling, dancing, happy black guy character that they give to literally like every single African American performer, which is like. Come on, man. Like, right, he's being, like, yeah, he... being black is not a character, Vince. Like, that is not, you know, like, right. I, I don't know. It's remember, remember when they remember when that was uh, that was the new day for a little while. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were like the happy preacher guys. Yeah. I mean, that is so that is so <laughs> offensive that like that would be how the only place they saw to go with them is to make them like preacher Evangelicals. guys. Like, come yeah. on. Like, really? Well, what do black people do? Uh, they go to church and sing, and they uh, or they're or they're or they're militant uh, uh, anti-white uh, racist guys. You know, like there's no in between. So which one's it going to be? You know, thank God the new day was able to like, get a little bit of breathing room and like do their own thing. But yeah, it's definitely uh, troubling the way that that was initially put together. And and now like so now you have like the cruiserweight division, which I think would probably based on the way the writing is done in SmackDown would be much better service there. Um, it's just a bunch of guys like like you know three three on three tag matches. A bunch of guys just falling all over the place and doing crazy stuff, and it looks cool. But at the same time, like nobody's invested in what's going on at all because they don't have any you know. Um, the only motivation was like to yeah. The only motivation was like you know Kendrick needed to win for you know because it's his last chance, and T.J. Perkins being like like the truest form of babyface, which is just a complete fucking moron. That's like the <laughs> ultimate you know. Like, oh, I trust this guy. You know, like, it's just like, okay, like, obviously that was going to happen, you know, and that was all like, you know, and they did a good job. Like, uh, Kendrick did a good job of selling it, you know, where he like looked like he actually maybe got hurt, you know, for a second. Yeah. But, um, you know, the second that somebody is just super dumb, it's like, okay, well, here we go. This is exactly, yeah. And so now, but now he's not even the champ anymore. So now there's no storyline, right? Like, it doesn't even make, now it's just Swan, who again, yeah, is like a super likable and talented guy. But there's no, like, what's the thrust of what's going on here? Well, the difference I think, between I think Swan it, it, and TJ Perkins is, like, TJ Perkins was super over with the crowd at Full Sail for the Cruiserweight Classic. Like, that is definitely the guy that they wanted to see win it if it wasn't going to be Kota Ibushi. But when you bring him up as the champion uh, to the main roster, and he never was on TV one single time before his first title defense on a pay-per-view which is crazy unto itself. Yeah, why is anybody going to care about this guy who just got walked out on stage with this belt that we don't watch the show he got it from? We don't know who he is. We didn't even see him on Raw before the pay-per-view. And to to go back to your point about how, you know, it's not that impressive to see their high spots when a guy like Brock Lesnar is doing a shooting star press, the things that they can do that a guy who who can move, who's a big guy, uh, whether it's Brock or not, you know, can't like create crazier stuff than a shooting star press. It seems to me like the rumblings I've heard are that they've been told that they can't do that on the main roster. They can't do the kinds of matches they were doing in the cruiserweight classic because the wrestling would be so exciting that nobody else on the roster could compete with it, which is like why even have a cruiserweight classic or a cruiserweight division on your television show. If that's how you feel about it, I don't. Right. And they also, it's it's and the other thing that was weird to me was they had that um that pay per view match at, at Survivor Series where it was you know uh, the chance to bring the bring the title to the to SmackDown 
And so the entire division, the entire division that we were being told is important, became a prop for the Baron Corbin Callisto feud somehow. <laughs> right? Where it's like, well, I don't care about that. And it's like, well, hang on. Like, so I'm, well, why am I supposed to care who wins that belt when all that belt is is the uh, the catalyst for like this non-titled you know feud on another show where it's a guy who I barely know who he is. He's like a sort of like a you know eighty uh, percent under right. He's like an eighty percent early two thousands Undertaker clone. You know, uh, uh, fighting uh, another flippy guy, right? Like who? Like who? How are you supposed to care what goes on? In it's his, just completely in, nuts to in, me. In that defense, in defense of that decision, as somebody who does regularly watch SmackDown and more importantly does regularly watch Talking Smack, which is the real crown jewel of WWE right. programming, Baron Corbin <laughs> has been very good uh, on Talking Smack, feuding verbally with Daniel Bryan. That seems to be the way that they uh, like make heels now is put them on Talking Smack and have them yell at Daniel Bryan for like five minutes at a time. Because nobody, oh, yeah, no, nobody's I, more sympathetic than him, and uh, you know he's good at, at getting heat on guys, and and Corbin's been really good at that. So I will give him that, even though I largely do agree with the point you're making. I mean, look, I, I that was not meant as a knock on him. I just mean like as somebody who maybe is not super paying attention, yeah, and you're yeah. trying to get into the product. It completely trivializes know, he, the entire cruiserweight division. Right. I mean, and and the and and Callisto and Baron Corbin are undercard guys. Like neither of them would be like a credible contender for the IC belt. You know what I mean? So like, what are we, what are we doing here? You know yeah. what I mean? There's no like. It, the, the one thing I will say about Baron Corbin is and I don't. I know this is probably part of the character at this point, but like he needs to wear a shirt, right? I mean, that belly button thing is so distracting. <laughs> like, cause he, cause he used to be like a much heavier guy. He was an he offensive of or a defensive lineman in the NFL. I'm pretty right. sure. So good for him. For, good for him for like for losing a lot of weight and all that stuff. But like, you know, nobody. That's so distracting. That is like the only thing I can see when I see him. And maybe that's like part of his like way of getting heat is like having like a weird belly button. Yeah, I don't know. Anybody but, listening like, to this who doesn't know what you're talking about, Pat, and I don't know how they would have gone this deep with us at this point if they didn't <laughs> already know. Uh, Baron Corbin, uh, because of how much weight he's lost and the way his like skin hangs. Uh, on his body now has a like a face on his chest. It's like 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 if Homer Simpson took his shirt off and like uh, you know turned his his belly into a face. Like yeah, there's a line by his belly button that just makes a mouth perfectly with his like pectoral muscles. It's insane. Um, but yeah. and, and, and yeah, he's look, he's good. You know, he, he's. There's, there was there was definitely potential there, and he got a lot better during the time he was in NXT from when he started, you know. And I do think there's something to the idea of the heel who just like is just so sick of everyone's shit and like doesn't buy into any of like the like the mystique of any of this stuff. Like there's definitely um, a character there, you know. And the but, reason yeah, he just, gave just, on just talking on smack. Top. The reason he gave on talking smack for interfering with that match was he didn't want to see any more dumb flippy kids running around SmackDown like Kalisto, which. Uh, I do enjoy the fact that he just refers to any cruiserweight as a child. That is entertaining. Um, But it doesn't help the division that you're trying to foster uh, with, like, two matches and a backstage segment every week on Raw at all. Right. Like, it it shouldn't be a device to get heat for a a guy who's, like, a mid-card heel. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But but whatever, you know. I mean, maybe maybe they're already sort of, like... What I thought they should have done is there shouldn't be two sets of tag champs, and they should have, like, one show gets the tag division and one show gets, like, the cruiserweights or some, something like that. Or, 
you know, because the, they're a little thin. I mean, like, they've done a really good job on SmackDown because they don't have any, like, but, like, it's weird how, like, it seems like they're spread thin, but then at the same time, they don't do anything with it. It's, like, yeah, like on Raw, you know, on Raw, it's like, okay, well, we're going to rehash the, the Bullet Club guys again. They're going to be established as, like, a serious threat. Then they're just going to get clowned for the millionth time, you know, um, and here we are again. Great. So and we're even on SmackDown, these guys. even on SmackDown, it's like yes, they they did something good. They went with organic baby faces that the audience got behind on their own without being forced to like them. Like the fact that Heath Slater was one of the biggest, you know, heroes of the year is very shocking. Nobody, not even Heath Slater, I don't think, could have predicted his current position. But even then, they didn't really do anything with that act. They gave them the belts and they held them for several months, but you know, it was super exciting to me anytime there was like a tag match or a multi-man tag match on SmackDown where Heath Slater got to be the guy who got fired up with a hot tag and came in and did a bunch of offense. Like, it was really fresh and exciting, and he just ended his tag team title reign tonight and maybe had two of those moments in the three months that he held the belts. And what are they yeah. doing in the tag division on SmackDown otherwise? Really nothing. So, like... Come on, guys! Like, it, it yeah, it just comes back to it, poor writing again and again. I suppose. Well, it's just, it's just. I mean, like, you, you you wonder what the end game is for stuff, right? Because you could have, like, I you know, if you're trying to build up Amer, you know, American Alpha, that seems like the obvious, you know, way to go. They're like the team of the future, all that stuff. Put the belts on like the weirdly somehow at least a little bit more compelling Usos who were the most boring, you know, act in the world when they were faces because you can't, you still can't even tell them. I, I don't care enough to know which one's which. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, you know, it seems like the announcers don't even know half the time. And like, they were just like, "Oh, we're good guys." You know, same kind of shit. And it's like, okay, well, I don't care. You know, but they're bad because they're tired of getting passed over. Fine. There's like a character and motivation, and they're and they can do. Th- and they're working great as heels. Like, they're really yeah. entertaining now that they're not the John Cena of tag teams. Right. So you, I mean, so you put the belts on a heel Usos team, and then you because because they. Because they took out American Alpha, I believe, right? Yeah, well, Wasn't that, that like in that in that tournament? That you know, was, they like hurt Gable. Yeah, that seemed to be where things were heading before they were like, right. "Oh, this Heath Slater thing is really popular. Let's actually just go this way instead." Right, and that's and that's fine, and that was the right thing to do. But now we have the Wyatts, and it's like, well, this is like a main event level sort of thing because you have Orton, like, is he good or bad or whatever? And now that's going to be like sort of taking over the tag division. So who's going to be a credible challenger to these two guys who are both having I mean, Orton's multi-time world champ? You know, Wyatt is a guy who they always tell you is dangerous before he loses in a pay-per-view match. But, <laughs> um, you know, like it's it, it sort of it beggars. It's be, like who is going to challenge? You know what I mean? I guess maybe they're trying to set up something with American Alpha, or maybe they're just kind of killing time because they don't know what to do. Um, I'm happy that Bray Wyatt finally won a belt. That's exciting. I can't. I kind of couldn't believe that he hadn't had anything, but then I realized what would he have won. Um, but it's it's good to see that he can actually back up something once in a while, even though it has to be with the help of Randy Orton. Yeah. Um, though the reason I think that, that they've never gone down that road is, like, as a character, why would he care to want a championship at all in the first place? Right, right. Uh, I, I mean, think that's their internal logic anyways, but the fact that he loses all the time, even if he'd had the opportunity, uh, he probably wouldn't have won anything. <laughs> right, I mean, it was, it was too bad that he got hurt, um... Right after, 
like remember when they had that like brief run as like a semi face? Like there was basically one. It was match. just it was one. Like him and Reigns. It was the Raw yeah. right after WrestleMania because the the Rock at Mania told him basically these people love you and you're squandering it. And right. that, and that like you know was uh hey the Rock actually didn't really do a match. I mean he beat Eric Rowan in seven seconds or whatever, but <laughs> you know he, what he said is actually going to have like a pivotal plot importance basically and then he got injured the very next night and that never really went anywhere and that's really unfortunate because uh i feel like had bray wyatt not gotten injured in that match after he had had that awesome moment where he did like the finger guns and hit the yes. bullet like was roman reigns with a spear out of his hand yeah, basically yeah, yeah. uh like that seemed like if if we were in the attitude era that uh, Roman Reigns and Bray Wyatt would have gone on a lengthy run as the tag team champions that would have eventually ended in another Wyatt-Roman feud, similar to, say, like, Taker and Austin winning the belts together. And we got yeah. robbed of that and instead have been treated to more New Day in the interim. <laughs> right. And and that's, look, I mean, you, you, you do you have to when somebody gets hurt. But yeah, it was really, because I mean, that was like, like you could feel like how happy people were to be able to just cheer for you. Cause I mean, like Bray Wyatt is a compelling, he's a compelling dude. You know what I mean? Like the whole, like that's why he's been able to hang around for so long. Um, and why he's gotten so much benefit of the doubt, even when he gives these same rambling, you know, uh, promos that, that end up not getting backed up when he loses, you know, at the pay-per-view or whatever. But like, yeah, people were just like, "Oh, nice, okay." Like, you know, and I don't know what I don't know what they would have done. Would they have like had the family start fighting him and like kick him out, or you know, whatever, you know, whatever it would be? Not that anybody cares about Eric Rowan. You know, remember when he was like a genius vintner or whatever that was for like a little while because yeah. he hates bullies. That was really weird. And then they were just like, "Yeah, that didn't." He got hurt, and now he's bad again because we don't know what to. That was a mistake. We shouldn't do that. Um, and like Luke, Luke Harper, who is like low key the best wrestler in the entire, you know. Uh, in the whole, uh, that whole scene, yeah, you know, he, they're doing something interesting with him now where like, he's got like the jealous, you know, brother thing with, with Orton, which I think is interesting, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's something that, like, I, I don't know how Wyatt's character works as a face and, you know, they have to like retool kind of what he's about, obviously, because all this stuff about how he's like the eater of worlds and all this, like, you know, the mind game stuff doesn't really work necessarily as a good guy. I still don't really buy Orton as a good guy anyway, so it makes sense to, to turn him or whatever they're doing with him now because he he just seems like kind of a creep. So what's the point in trying to make everyone, you know, just because he does fun RKOs every once in a while, that's not a character that people cheer for. That's just a moment that people cheer for. So yeah. you might as well just, you know, um, Orton's, I don't know. Orton's but, kind of funny too because like whenever he's a baby face you want him to be working heel instead and whenever he's a heel it's like, "Oh, I, why aren't you a baby face? Like, why are you anything?" <laughs> right. He's he's like he's like a perfect tweener, like makes no sense. Like, well, he maybe he just shouldn't be anything. Maybe he should just be like he should be like Notre Dame where he's like not in a division. He just kind of is there. You know. Or, you <laughs> he doesn't know. have to pick. He doesn't do, Don't pick a side. Do the Stone Cold thing where he just comes out and RKO's like 20 guys a night. Like, it's not that complicated. It's basically the same move, even. Um, right. I mean, that's that's a good point. He, you know, he, he, he RKO's all the bad guys, and there's one good guy left in the ring, and he looks in for a second, then RKO's him, and everybody cheers, because yeah. it's a fun move to watch. Exactly. That's, I mean, that that was exact. that was the, the total pinnacle of, 
of what Austin could do, you know, where you have like, well, he just, he just stunned Vince. He just stunned Pat Patterson and Briscoe and Shane's in the ring and he just gave him a beer. And like, they have this big tease thing. And then like, he looks at him for a second. Shane does the surprise face and then gets a stunner and shoots beer everywhere. Like that's okay. This is exactly what I wanted. That's exactly it. This is perfect. Um, yeah, you're right. Maybe just do that for Orton. He doesn't have to do anything. You know, I, mean, I, I don't. I don't see him getting another title run. I don't. I don't think that really helps anybody. Yeah. Um, but I could be wrong. You know, obviously I've been wrong before, and you know, um, he's obviously a dependable guy. You know what I mean? He's a he's a dependable worker, um, and he's somebody that you can trust to have a you know main event level type match. You know, it's not going to be a total turd. Yeah. Yeah. But he's, you know, I, I don't want really care to hear him speak, you know, um, <laughs> because it's just not a, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and obviously he's, he used to, apparently he used to be like a total shit backstage, but obviously he grew up a lot. Um, cause you could see him like at, at Survivor Series, there was like that thing they were like, everybody was like putting all the sites and stuff. It was like him, like comforting Shane's kids when Shane, like, like he got killed basically by Reigns. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's, oh, right, so, okay, he's, like, a human being. He's not, like, a total, okay, yeah. Um, so that was good, but uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, Bray Wyatt, it's interesting to think about the alternate universe where, if you know, Bray Wyatt had, had stayed healthy and ended up being a weird rock and sock connection with uh, with Reigns. That would have been interesting. It, it would have been, uh, you know, something different than what we've seen from him anyways, and he certainly needs that at this point. But I feel like Pat... Uh, it's been great talking to you, and I will definitely yeah. have you back on the program again because I feel like you're a man with all kinds of pro wrestling opinions, and what better place to <laughs> get them off your chest than Real Grap Show. Uh, but with a Briscoe and Patterson mention, I feel like that is probably the perfect place to wrap things up because we can't go much deeper than that, I don't think. But uh, uh, thank you so much for, for joining me on the show today. A pleasure talking wrestling with you, and you know we, we went all over the place as... Uh, the show probably often will because that is just the nature of pro wrestling fandom. Uh, you got all this stuff in your head kicking around from these hours upon hours of television that you watch. And if you get the opportunity to let it spill out, uh, well, it might take a little while. But uh, thank you so much for, for doing this with me tonight. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun chatting with you. And uh, I, I'm sure people know where to find you. Absolutely, man. It sounds 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 good. We'll we'll definitely uh, have to recap uh, whatever the next insane series of bad booking is. Uh, I I look forward to it. <laughs> Me too, man. Uh, just a, a <laughs> pure pleasure. Thanks. Thanks so much. All right. All right. Take it easy, bud. And there it is, folks, your Grap Show for the month of December. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly had a good time. My thanks once again to the great Patrick Monahan for joining me today. And I uh, did want to let you know before I head on out of here, the show will probably be moving to its own feed at some point in the new year. But until then, keep your eye on this very space. Until we meet again, I have been and will continue to be Justin Morissette. Talk to you soon. Goodbye. <laughs> Forget that this ever happened.